0: Dear congregation, this morning our text comes from a very unusual place, a place you or I would not look for a text probably ever. Our text first came up in the mind of the prodigal son in the faraway country. And to look for a text from that prodigal's mind would seem to be Such a far-fetched thing, especially not for a Lord's Supper service. And yet, congregation, there had been a shift in this prodigal's mind, as there is every time the Lord works savingly in a soul. A shift from madness to reason. This man had pursued insanity, the insanity of sin long enough. But as the text says, he now came to himself. It was a shift, secondly, from pride to submission. He had learned that pride harvests emptiness. The only way forward is to submit to God and His Word and all that He is and has for sinners. And it was a shift, congregation, from despondency to a glimmer of hope you see, this man had finally ceased from his self made hopes. And despairing of self, he looked outside to see if there was hope anywhere else. And there was. And he gave voice to it in the words of our text, which we take for this special service of the Lord's Supper in the midst of this congregation Luke 15 and verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So our theme looking to the Lord this morning is bread enough and to spare. And we'll see, first of all, the power of this truth in this man's heart. And secondly, the proclamation of this truth to our hearts this morning. Well, there needed to be power in this man's life, don't you think? A strong power, because this young man had resisted every power to go back to his father's house. He had been children in his father's house, but his wayward heart finally couldn't stand it anymore, and it led him out. He didn't mind the hurt he caused his parents. He didn't mind the caution of the elders in his church. He didn't mind the danger that lay ahead of him. He didn't mind the shame. He didn't think of any of those things, as long as he could be on his own, doing his own thing, living his own life. And that's the power of sin, congregation in each of our hearts by nature. It's nothing less than an insane pull inside of us towards death, towards misery, towards hell itself that each of us is under apart from the saving grace of God. To his Father, he said, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, Father, you're, you're, you're not... Good enough for me. In fact, you're as good as dead to me. I can't wait till you're dead. I want the inheritance now. That was in his heart. And do you see him go down the lane of his ancestral home? Away from home. And all he can think of is, I'm free. I'm free at last. Far away, I want to go. As far as possible. goodbye, strict upbringing. Hello, riotous living. I'm coming. I'm coming for you. In congregation in Adam, that's all of our story. Wishing God dead, we turned away. It's the truth. It's something you and I need to see and learn in our hearts, too. We ran from Him, the fountain of all good, as fast and as far as possible, as deep as we could imagine in misery. What a powerful hold sin has in our lives. And to stop us On this mad dash to hell, we need power. Power worked upon us. There's no other way. Conscience is not enough. We resist conscience. We resist reason. We resist the law of God. We resist people around us, godly people, seeking to pull us back. The pull of sin towards death is that powerful Do you know anything of what I'm speaking of here in your own heart's experience? And this poll congregation for this young man was so great that even when his money ran out and the famine was sore in the land, this man still wouldn't go back. This man still didn't think of home or of going back. He said, I know what to do and become a hired hand of a Gentile pig farmer. He lowered himself even further in his viewpoint and in his culture. So much so that he couldn't even eat what the swine ate, but he held out long and far, resisting everything, every twinge, of the way back home. In congregation left to himself, this young man would have perished exactly like that. It would have probably ended something like this, that his boss one day would have woken up in the morning, looked for his hired hand, and found him curled up, having de- died. His body wasted away as the result of sin. That's what sin does left to ourselves. That's how powerful our sinful nature is unless there's a greater power outside of ourselves brought to bear upon us. And for this prodigal, it was a flash in his mind, a thought, a bright flash. It's actually three thoughts when you look at it. And the first is this, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And the second thought was, and I perish with hunger. Notice the first thought is of bread in the father's house. And the second thought is, I'm perishing. And these thoughts, congregation, they fit like a hand in a glove. The one is hopeful. There's bread somewhere out there. The other's honest. I perish. He sees it for the first time, the way it truly is. In congregation, it's these two thoughts sin, our sin, salvation, his salvation that fit like a hand in a glove. But congregation, this is exactly what we need. To simply see our sin, to simply lament, I perish, and nothing more. How can that help a soul? Maybe you've been there sometime in your life, and simply a moroseness came over your mind and your heart, A hopelessness. There's no hope. I perish. I'm lost. I've followed my heart. I've pursued sin. And look, I've gotten the harvest that I've wanted. But my friends, without anything more than that, it's simply a worldly sorrow. Like Judas and others. We need this other thought. Bread. Enough. And despair. We need, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, as goes into every repentance, some apprehension of God's mercy in Christ. And so these thoughts are perfectly matched. There's bread enough, and I perish with hunger. Salvation suited so perfectly. To my sin. My sin. Which needs this salvation perfectly. But as I said, congregation, there's a third thought. I will arise. I will arise. You see, congregation, without these two thoughts... The sinner will never arise and go back to the God whom he has left. These two thoughts are, as it were, two hands. The two hands of God. One uncovering us to our sin, showing us how it really is with us. And the other hand, a hand that's drawing. Sometimes even with the faintest of lights, there's bread. There's bread. There's bread. bread. There's salvation. There's a Savior. And those things, applied to the soul, they become, I will arise. Do you see then this dirty, disgraced, weak, worn, sinner, arising? It's from the dead. From the muck of sin. There he goes, one step, two steps. And with every step, it's as if this flash of light is repeating itself in his mind. There's bread, there's bread, there's bread. I perish, I perish. It's like the two steps of the returning prodigal. Bread, enough, and I perish. And there he comes, step by step. Friends, have you heard of anything like this? How God uses the weak things. What man considers weak. He uses it. God uses it. It's stronger than the wisdom of man. The Lord tells us that in 1 Corinthians 1, that the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is Stronger than man. Weak means fulfill His will. Mighty enemies distill. And this congregation is the strong God of the gospel in Jesus Christ who speaks to sinners like you and like me. And He has a message and it's this. Not the righteous. Not the righteous. But sinners. Jesus came to save. I wonder. Is it in your heart? On the basis of these things, to say, I will arise. There's no other way. There's nothing else but death. To live apart from God is death. Tis good. His face to seek. My refuge is the living God. His praise I long to speak. And so, as the father will later on say, this my son was lost and is found, was dead and is alive. There's a man whom mercy has made alive. There he comes power. Marvelous power in his soul. But congregation, secondly, this man not only here is an emblem of power, there's proclamation here. And it's hard to believe, isn't it, that this prodigal, at this very early stage of his conversion, is become an evangelist to us here this morning. There's bread enough and to spare. It reminds us of the malefactor on the cross, crucified next to Jesus, who, in the span of a few minutes at most, he turns from a blasphemer against God and against his Christ. He turns to someone who says to his fellow, and really, has an audience through the scriptures to the whole world and he says, this man, this man has done nothing amiss. It's with this man that it all lies. With him there is hope. With with him there is salvation. And he has this everlasting testimony written through the scriptures. This man, Christ, And so to this returning prodigal, he's already an evangelist to you and to me here this morning through the Spirit. There's bread enough and to spare, he says. There's bread enough and to spare. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've found that nothing can satisfy you. Maybe this week you tried really hard, week of self-examination, you tried very hard to find something in yourself that you could bring to the Lord and to the table, to others. On this basis, I can go. Maybe some experience or some feeling or some resolution. I hope you found out that there's nothing there but vile, wretched sin that you should cast from you. And that if there's any coming to the table, it's on the basis of Christ. Nothing in self, ever. Not even the most religious thought in self is a basis ever to come. A basis ever to stand before God. No, you cast it from you. And it's the Lord alone. His mercy, His grace, His invitation. His Christ. The bread which He holds out in the Gospel to needy sinners and says, come without money. Come without price. Come for all things are ready. It's not about you making things ready would come with all your need. That's what self-examination is ultimately all about, is that you realize there's nothing in self, ever, nothing that can stand before God, and that you hang your helpless soul on Christ, naked, lost, wretched, undone, and that forever. It's not like it's going to become better so that The Lord's Supper even is going to make your life better for you. You can bring that better life to the Lord as some kind of payment in arrears or something like that. No, not at all. You cease from self, now and forever. And it's all in Him. It's all congregation in the bread. And what it symbolizes, Christ, the living bread. The wine symbolizing Christ. You see, congregation, when you trace this thought of the prodigal back to its origin, this prodigal must have in that moment remembered something that was true about his father. Something that he had seen and witnessed at some level, but he had never held on to, he had never seen the meaning of, he had never seen the suitability to himself. When he was back at the father's house, there must have been Servants that had partaken from the father's table often enough. There was always bread enough and to spare. It was always a busy place. There was probably beggars that came and came to the door, and his father never turned them away empty. It was not ever like Lazarus in Luke 16, the next chapter, who tried to feed himself with crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, but was never allowed to, never, never could. No, not so in this father's house. There was always bread enough and to spare. But in his lost state, that meant nothing to him. In fact, it may have disturbed him. His father was always giving away food, always generous. The hired servants even, they got, they got food from the master's table. Beggars, food. He had to be away. He couldn't abide it. He probably countless times had heard his father say it you know, there's bread enough and despair. There's bread enough and despair. But back then, that meant nothing to him, except to irritate him perhaps. But now, when he's lost everything, Those words come over the landscape, over the miles, over the distance. They come as the best news his needy soul could ever imagine. They're in the muck where he can't even feed himself with the husks of the pigs. Bread enough. Bread enough. Congregation, there is in God there is so much bread. There's so much to satisfy needy souls. There is in the Father and in His heart there's such love for beggars, for needy ones. Yes, for prodigals, for sinners. The heart of God the Father from all eternity was such a heart that he in his wisdom found a way to be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus, no matter his sin, no matter his iniquity, no matter his impossibility, his guilt. And the death lying in him, it was in his Father's heart To give bread for such a needy sinner. Food he daily gives the hungry. The Father's heart is full of bread. And also the Son's heart full of love. To be bread. Because you could say in a certain sense that in the eternal council of peace when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit thought out a way for sinners to be saved... Then there needed to be one to be bread. To be made bread. To take on human, uh, human nature. To become bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. To be the bread of life for sinners. And he says there in John chapter 6, he says, I am the manna which has come down from heaven. That if a man shall eat of me, he shall never hunger, he shall never thirst again. Don't you agree, congregation? Christ is bread, he's bread enough and to spare. And what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit also makes room in sinners' hearts, like this prodigal, for that bread. He is the one who brings into the mind of the sinner the very thought of bread to make us to know our need, redeem our life from destruction, to crown us loving kindness and tender mercy, to give us this repentance which we would never have of self. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together are the bread that needy souls need and long for. And congregation, the gospel is this. So very simply, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true that God has found a way for sinners like you and like me that we might not Perish with hunger in our sin and our lostness, but might have eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of God. And the Lord, on every page of the scriptures, is so eager to display this. To the rebellious house of Israel, He rained down manna in the wilderness. To the thousands of people by the Sea of Galilee who lacked bread. He had his glorious son break the bread and it multiplied so that there were even 12 baskets, seven baskets later in the 4,000 that were left over. You see, he wants us to know bread enough, bread enough, and to spare. There isn't a superabundance in the infinite and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so ask the people of God here this morning. Have you ever lacked bread? And when you did, was it because there was no bread in God? Or was it that your heart would not take it in God's terms and on God's way? On God's terms and in God's way no every child of God hears a witness to the fact that there's bread enough and to spare if the Lord could feed me he can feed any sinner who comes to him because where sin abounded grace did more abound there was always more 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 bread so what that means, congregation, this morning is that whoever you are, however long you've strayed, however far you've gone, however deep in life's muck you find yourself at the present moment, know this, there's bread enough and to spare. Go to Joseph. He's feeding Countless, the world over. And there's bread enough and to spare. You'll never see the bottom of that barrel. There's bread enough and to spare. He gives to overflowing. He gives and gives and gives again. It's all of grace. Oh, to grace how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. But congregation, I misspoke at the beginning of my sermon. I said that this text came up for the first time in the mind of the prodigal son. But that is not so. This text of mine came First in the never begun eternity, when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit designed a way to be bred and to be bred enough and to spare for sinners and to prove it, the Lord Jesus Christ went all the way into the farthest regions of the faraway country. He suffered innumerable reproaches, even death and hell itself, in order that for prodigals like you and me, there's bread enough and to spare. He hung in the forsakenness of the wrath of God that we deserve. And so willingly, willingly, friends, he took damnation that there might be bread for sinners today. Amen. Shall we pray? Gracious. Lord, make room for that bread in our hearts and lives, that all that we look to for bread we would cast away from self, and we would find it all in Christ, His bleeding, bruised body for sin. He cursed that sinners might be blessed. And He, now at Thy right hand, in the gospel, handing out bread to sinners who could never save themselves, who would never save themselves, but He saves with an everlasting salvation. O Lord, be then in our midst, we pray. Come and dwell with thy people. Commune with them, we pray thee, through the elements of blood, of of the broken body, and the poured out blood of Christ, signified in bread and wine. And make thy people to know that as far as east is from west, so far, as thou put their transgressions from them, all because of Christ, all because of the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' name alone. Amen.